0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Expanding Your Horizon, a podcast on business and technology. A little bit of a new name change. I'm here with Rob Stoner, owner of Horizon Managed Services. and In this one, we're going to be talking about uh, why outsourcing your IT makes sense for most small businesses. So essentially, if you guys don't know what managed services is, Basically, in a a very high level, managed services when it comes to IT is, for example, small business wants to outsource their entire IT technology. They can hire a firm to do that for them rather than doing it themselves or hiring an internal IT professional to work full time for their business. So I'm just pulling up an article right here. and It looks like, you know, managed services market to reach almost three hundred ninety five billion in two thousand twenty eight. And at least 60% of organizations to depend on managed services by 2025. So some really good news for just the IT industry as a whole and where businesses are going when it comes to managed services. But I guess from, from your perspective, Rob, why does outsourcing your IT? Make a lot of sense for a small business from your standpoint.
1: Sure. And I think it ties in with that, that article and those couple statistics you were just kind of listing off there. I mean, it's economy of scale uh, type of thing. It's managed service providers. We are like a full IT department that brings all of those skill sets to businesses that wouldn't be able to afford or otherwise support uh the need the full-time need for a full IT department so like man we're a managed service provider we've got on our team uh devops engineers uh we've got support agents we've got people that specialize in backups and security and networking and infrastructure we work with a lot of different businesses with different needs and different goals and, and objectives and so we're able to see uh bring some bring up some knowledge we're able to see a lot of what different approaches work and what does and doesn't work for different businesses and bring that knowledge and expertise to a a new small business, a new, new client uh, and help guide them in areas that if they had just a, an IT guy or gal, their, their experience wouldn't be nearly as wide or deep. So they'd just be kind of trying to figure it out on their own, uh, so to speak.
0: Sure. And I think that brings up a good point, you know, especially just, you know, we think about, you know, IT, IT is a very, very large spectrum of faucets or facets that you can get into when it comes to IT. I mean, even something like software development, that'd be considered IT. Even something like on a front end, like web development, building websites, that's considered IT. Same thing with like a database, you know, engineer. IT, systems admin, IT, uh, even support agent or uh, like a level one support agent that's in the IT industry. too. So like there's
1: managers, you've got security mm -hmm. engineers and and the list goes on and on. Like you said, there's numerous facets um, and no one person can be an expert in any of them.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You have to basically focus on something. Really, really specific. I even know when I was studying computer science, you know, which is in IT, you know, we're solely just software development. But you know, even getting into one language was, you know, we went really, really, really in depth, and just that one particular facet when it came to IT and and software development. um, When I was when I was doing computer science, but from from that standpoint, you know, businesses, small businesses, you know, have a few options when when it comes to IT. It looks like, you know, they can either do it themselves, you know, depending how small they are. They can have, uh, you know, basically an IT guy that maybe somebody they know or somebody else that, you know, comes and fixes their computers, either, you know, kind of a pro bono thing or, you know, whenever they need him. Um, they can hire somebody in-house or they can, you know, have that set, you know, IT provider for their business. But, you know, based on the data that I talked about earlier, managed services growing, for 60% of businesses to need a managed IT provider. I mean, first of all, I don't think 60% of companies even have, like, have an IT provider, a managed IT provider right now, but the trend is going that way. I mean, can you talk to me a little bit more about some of the trends that would you know, ac- accelerate that growth to get to that 60% number of all businesses?
1: Sure, and I think what they may be looping in there is what we term as break-fix. It's an IT provider in general. And all that, let's talk about the small business world. That's where we kind of, our our bread and butter is in that not really getting below 10 users, like 15, 20 is really the low end of of where you should really be considering it, where it's it really starts to provide value to like 100, 150 users. Larger, it depends, like a lot of this depends on situation and circumstance. But aside from that, we're seeing a lot of, of issues. Take a look at what happened with COVID. There are a lot of businesses that were working with just like a, a one man band, a uh, single person break fix shop. And all of a sudden, COVID hits, states shut down, lockdowns happen. And either the business needs to close because they, they have like, they couldn't work remotely, or that one man band has to spend, uh, basically be up around the clock for all their clients trying to get them set up to work remotely. That's not a sustainable. Environment. I've got not friends, but I know quite a few smaller IT shops that went through that burned out and then they sold their shop or they just closed up and went to work for a larger MSP so that they, it wasn't all just hanging on them and removing the reframing away from the IT provider, looking at the business, look at the risk that that business was in by using a single provider or a single internal person even. Uh, or even a, a very, like, what two or three person internal team. The weight of all of that change needing to be done rapidly by a very small team that isn't versed in a lot of typically versed in a lot of these approaches. Typically, they come in and they're there to support the environment rather than uh, look at ways of improving the environment. Typically, that's what we find, anyways. I mean, I'm sure there are internal teams and small businesses that are there doing a lot of business improvement, business process consulting and things of that nature. It's just not what we encounter typically. Like a lot of it comes down from my perspective to risk to the client or to the the small business of what happens if that, that internal guy burns out or he's on vacation for a week and actually turns his phone and email off for a change and then your your server crashes and your your entire team can't function for a couple of days. A lot of ways, and I hate the analogy, but managed services is like providing insurance uh, to small businesses, at least for their technology stack.
0: Sure, and that makes a lot of sense too. I mean, we were even just working with, you know, uh, you know, one of our clients was a, you know, IT manager at a larger company. He recently joined on, and basically, when he came on, there was no, you know, what you guys call documentation. There's no documentation of anything previously done by whoever else was the IT manager at the time. There was a lot of things that were just a total mess and basically, you know, it just became kind of firefighting, so to speak, Mm -hmm. putting out fires and dealing with issues, realizing that, you know, half of their building doesn't get Wi-Fi very well. And previously, there was no any documentation or any credentials to even get into a lot of this stuff that the person needed to do their job at the end of the day. So, you know, from, from your standpoint, you know, that's definitely you know, definitely a drawback, especially if you're trying to hire somebody in-house. They're typically going to be more expensive. And then, you know, there's always a chance that they can turn over and, you know, go somewhere else, you know, very quickly, whether it be a year, two years, whatever else the case is. And then by the time you hire somebody else, they could be, you know, first of all, they're starting from ground zero. And then if the previous person didn't provide any documentation or basically give them a roadmap of, to pick up where they left off, then it gets really, really difficult for yeah. you know, an internal there's, IT person.
1: There's a lot to unpack there. So let, let's kind of start diving into that. Uh, first, you mentioned the term firefighting and that's a term that we use internally. And it's a term that a lot of IT people in general are familiar with. It's it's reacting to a situation. You're, you're, you're kind of running around trying to put out all the fires, just like a firefighter would. When you're in that mindset, or it, when that's kind of all you've known, you're not looking at ways of improving. You're all, the only focus is stopping the bleeding rather than trying to heal. You're, you're trying to stop the bleed rather than try and heal the wound. Uh, and a lot of internal uh, employees fall into that trap. It's just kind of the nature of what we've seen over the past 10, 15 years working uh, alongside co-managed teams, um, taking over for uh, internal people when they they depart or what have you. That's one thing to understand is an MSP. Yes, there will be a reactive side where they're reacting to issues and incidents that are raised by clients, but there's also very much a focus on being proactive and trying to mitigate and or minimize the chances of issues cropping up in the first place now the other thing that you mentioned was was documentation again for an msp we operate with flat rate agreements where uh, like it's fixed fee we're only profitable if we do our job do it well and are able to be expedient in kind of resolving issues and reacting to those those incidents when they occur And so the way that we can do that quickly and efficiently is by ensuring that we have a solid documentation that's up to date, that we understand where the the different keys are to the different tools and and how things are interconnected and interoperate. Most internal teams, again, they're typically in the small business world anyways, focused on reacting. Documentation isn't seen as part of the task, it's seen as a separate task in and of itself. And so they fight the fire, The fire is out, and then there's another fire to fight. So they never get around to documenting what they had to do. And before you can even put in a permanent fix, you need to understand what the issue was and what the documented fix for it was so that you can then look at how do I mitigate this or stop this from happening in the future. And then the third thing is you you, kind of went down the path of just not Understanding the challenges of the business right the the parts of the building didn't have wi fi coverage parts of like the new i t manager didn't have access to uh systems that they needed to perform their job a good m s p when we kind of do when we bring on a client we're gonna shake all the skeletons out of that closet we're going to find what all the servers are, document what they are it kind of ties into the documentation task. But I mean, I've even heard stories I've never seen it myself, but I've heard stories from other m s p s that they when they've taken over for an internal team that's like the team or the the i t guy or gal had been there for twenty plus years and just knew everything and then they they retire, or they pass away or move on. They found, at some of these companies, these MSPs have found servers literally behind drywall that are still up and running. Like they had to trace cabling because the server's on, it's keeping some critical function of finance or an inventory system up and running. And the MSP could not find it when they were kind of doing their due diligence and onboarding this client. And sure enough, 15 years ago, a room, uh, like a, a server room or a little telco room, was drywalled over because no one used it. No one talked, the IT guy didn't raise a stink at that time. So when they were doing renovations, got walled over and no one was the wiser. Now imagine if you're not taking a proactive approach to documentation and trying to find that uh and kind of get your hands on it and get a grasp and get understand what's really going on there and mitigating that risk to the business. What happens if that's a key piece it's running a key piece of software for your year end financial reporting um, and all of a sudden it's just offline and no one knows where the server is. Like what kind of risk does that do? What what position does that put the business in?
0: Definitely no that's it I mean it puts the business at a lot of risk. I mean, not only for, you know, lost financials, losing clients, downtime, you know, Mm -hmm. potentially, you know, being vulnerable to a cyber attack. There's a lot of different risks that Mm -hmm. a business is face solely on that from from that standpoint and not having, you know, someone previously in place that essentially documented what they were doing when the new person comes on. So, you know, yeah, that's mm-hmm. something that is important to think about. It's kind of, I mean, it can be the same process for, for anything, essentially, even if you're bringing on, you know, a- any single role, you know, essentially, if if they don't have something in place previously, it's going to be really, really hard for that person to get up to speed quickly. Yeah.
1: And then the other thing that you touched on, and I want to make sure I, I kind of expand on a little bit here before we, we move on, is you mentioned the cost of an internal employee typically is, is expensive. Yeah, like we have to hire those same employees. So there's an expense, like the, the, just where the expense for that employee is doesn't change how expensive or their cost to a business, right? But it certainly does change. What we're able to do is spread that cost across a client base. For example, we need expertise in this area. We don't need a bunch of generalists. We need people focused as an MSP. We need people focused in certain areas. And then we bring those team members on and we're able to leverage their expertise and efficiencies across a a larger client base than just bringing those people internal and only servicing you, Mr. Small Business. And so, a lot of times when we come in and we have these conversations of what IT is truly costing, people go, "Oh, well, I pay a salary of, I don't know, forty-five thousand dollars a year, fifty thousand dollars a year for our IT guy." And okay, and then they think that's the only cost for technology for them. And the reality is that may be the the salary or the the hourly wage that they pay but that doesn't factor in your, your taxes, your FICAs, your uh, vacation time, the the benefits package. It doesn't factor in the costs of them being an employee, period. Like uh, if you've got multiple locations, typically there's a company car that goes with it. You've got like a cell phone allowance. You've got, you need to buy them equipment to work. They need an office. They need a couple large screens. They need tools to be efficient in their job. And so Economies of scale allow us to leverage those same tools, those same skilled technicians and skilled employees, and reduce the cost to the small business by bringing on numerous clients and servicing them all very well and efficiently with our best practices.
0: Sure. Yeah, another thing I want to touch on, too, is, you know, essentially how outsourcing can cut costs for a business. So, you know, I was just doing my math you know, essentially, you know, just in my head and, you know, I'm using my calculator over here too, you know, for most small businesses, you know, even if you're like a, say a 10 person, you know, 20 person company, really at the end of the day, if you decide to bring on a managed IT provider, you know, if you really break it down to like an hourly wage, so say for example, you like an hourly wage, 40 hours a week, you know, typically that's going to cost you less than $20 per hour to, Bring on a managed service provider that would essentially handle all of the IT for your business. Typically anywhere between, you know, 16 and maybe $20 an hour, something, somewhere around that number. And then, then again, there's no paid time off. There's no benefits along with that. So it's just a flat monthly expense that the business pays, but you get a team of people essentially doing that, doing that work for you. I mean, 16 to $20 an hour, you know, you can get a job that pays, you can flip burgers for $16 an hour. You can load boxes at an Amazon warehouse for $20 an hour and just load boxes all day. But so you, you, you can beat that,
1: yeah. but you're not bringing in a skilled employee for 20, even 25 bucks an hour these days. Like you, uh, for an internal team, you're just not going to do it.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, kind of, a. Um, you know, a lot of pushback that maybe small business owners might have is, you know, they see IT as an expense and basically they say, hey, it's three grand a month. What what are you guys actually doing? You know, for example, say I'm a small business owner and, you know, I have I have like 10 employees, I have some computers and I see this number come on my desk, I'm like three grand a month. You know, it's not a small amount of money. You know, it's basically, you know, it's, that's bottom line coming out of my business. I mean, why would I need a managed service provider if everything is OK, you know? Based on my perspective.
1: Well, let me ask this: You be the the business owner in the situation. Do you have an internal IT person in in this this fictitious company or no?
0: In this fictitious company, let's say we have uh, we have a break fix guy that comes in, you know, once a month. Say. Okay. And, you know, and what would you say you're us? spending
1: with that that break fix guy once a month? A couple hundred bucks. Something like that. Okay. So let's just round it up to three hundred bucks just for even math. So you're spending three hundred bucks a month with break fix and you'd be spending 3000 a month for managed services. First difference is managed services, at least managed service providers, typically roll in all the ancillary costs, all your like Microsoft 365 licensing, your antivirus licensing, your security products, your network stack, all of the costs to put in a, a stable, functional, secure environment for you typically are all rolled into that flat $3,000 a month fee. Now, with your break-fix guy, when, you, uh, when you're – your server crashed, you needed a new server. Did you just roll that into the $300 a month that you're typically paying them? Or did you have to shell out, like write a ten, fifteen $15,000 check to get a new server? Odds uh, are you're gonna yeah. go write that check. check. Yeah. Like for 300 bucks a month, I guarantee you're not getting any antivirus products. You're having to subscribe to those separately and buy those separately. Like your office licensing, any other like security tools, your firewall, all that is separate. Let's round that up to even say, it's another 700 bucks a month on average, averaged out over the course of the year that you're spending like in CapEx spend more or less. So obviously, some of this is going to be OpEx, but in approximated CapEx spend, you're spending 700 bucks a month in tools in products, and products and all that, plus the 300 for the brake fix guy. So you're at 1000 bucks a month now for the way you're doing it today versus 3000 But how long does it take that break-fix guy to get to you when you have a problem? Is it the same day? Is someone hopping in 20 minutes late after you call them?
0: Just depends. I mean, yeah, usually maybe it's a day, maybe it's a couple hours. Who knows?
1: And so, like, you may not be paying hard dollars out of your pocket for that downtime, but loss of productivity has a cost. And so it's looking at what are you spending on your employees that are sitting there, basically twiddling their thumbs, not able to do their job, uh, while their system or their, their, whatever technology is broken at that time. And then once the break fix shop comes in and fixes it, how much overtime are you going to have to pay your employees to work to get caught up? Like, like there are costs that are hard dollars and cents that you're paying out of pocket. And then there are soft costs. At least that's how I refer to them as things that you may not pay in dollars directly, but indirectly you're paying for it. That has a cost to it as well. And I don't know. I don't know what your employees are making an hour, but they're probably making more than minimum wage because like you just said earlier, you can flip burgers or, or just pack boxes for 20 plus dollars an hour these days. And so then, then we kind of get into again, more of these soft costs. They're not directly attached to an IT expense, but you're still spending it like, how much time are you as a business owner sitting there trying to fix the it issues or how much time are your employees trying to fix problems before they call the break fix guy because you know when you call him he's going to charge you with a managed service provider they're incentivized when you don't like for you not to have problems because they're only profitable when you're not having problems and so the the goals are aligned uh, with a break fix you're looking at Maybe they're not trying to actually fix the root of the problem because they want me to keep coming back. They want to keep prescribing me pills rather than just fixing the root cause. It's not a, an apples to apples comparison typically because there's, it's um, with a managed provider, we're going to provide you a simple, predictable monthly cost and you're trying to compare it to the wicked variability of your costs, uh, on a break fix but i can tell you at, at, after years of doing this we managed services typically ends up averaging out less over the over the course of the agreement than doing things on a break fix ad hoc everything's an emergency approach
0: definitely and i think a lot of things i mean i think the reason why people have you know price concerns is because a lot of people don't know exactly what encompasses you know managed it services specifically Horizons managed IT services. You know, you're not paying that, you know, X amount of dollars, whether say three grand a month for, you know, just call us whenever you have issues. There's a lot more that goes into it. You know, when it comes to your licensing, for example, your hardware, your backups, your support, everything It's all encompassed. Essentially, you're bringing on a team of people but for way less than the cost of usually an internal hire or maybe even a senior internal hire, depending on the size of of your organization. So it encompasses a lot more than just, you know, fixing computers whenever they break. And it helps consolidate costs as well to the point where you have a predictable price. You can predictably price your IT budget. And it's basically all encompassed in that. Um, Yeah. And then
1: the the other thing that, look, every MSP worth their salt is going to be able to, provide you with licenses and like hardware and security and fix your problems and issues when they arise um what what sets us into a different i'm gonna i hate saying we're in a different class of msp but how we do msp a little bit different is you'll you'll see you may hear terms like vcio or vxo or vcso all of those are basically in most msps Account managers that are trying to sell you new products. They'll do an account review every quarter and try, they're, they're incentivized. And I was on a a webinar earlier today where MSPs were talking about, Hey, what's your quota for your, your VCIO to sell at each meeting? And and I'm like, we don't have a quota. The whole, that, that, like, that's not aligned with the, the client's business. Now we don't use the term VCIO. Uh, we just do quarterly reviews uh or technology reviews oh, gosh it, the, term, the terminology all stinks but the purpose is we want to sit what we do is we go have conversations with our clients with the uh the executive teams the owners there to understand where they're trying to take the business and then we'll, we kind of craft the technology approach the stack uh the stack being the hardware and software that's running the business and we help Ensure that technology is there to support their business, their operational and financial goals for the business. Uh, and so we'll get it typically involved deeper into projects into, uh, kind of strategy for the business to ensure that, uh, everything's in alignment rather than being an afterthought of, oh, hey, we're, we're bringing on this new software. Here's the requirements. And, and that's, that's kind of the relationship a lot of, the or the average msp these days has with their clients is they see it as more reactive work with just a steady stream a steady income uh and and we see it more as it's a relationship we want to be considered an extension of our client's team
0: definitely yeah and i've been in you know the the msp world and i've seen definitely both sides of of that equation you know with clients and, and whatnot when it comes to like the VCIO term, you know, I know a lot of companies have that, but like you said, they're basically just kind of sales. They're basically just salespeople at the at the end of the day is, is what they really are glorified salespeople. Um, But, you know, kind of what we've talked, we talked about, you know, essentially, you know, why a business should have a set it provider, how it can cut costs for the business, but I want to get into the meat-, meat and potatoes of what really matters. So basically you know, what's the return on the investment when it comes to, you know, having an IT provider, specifically when it comes to, you know, how is an IT provider going to propel my business so I can make more money? And then also, you know, how's it going to make me more marketable to gain more clients? Can you dive into a little bit of that?
1: Sure, sure. Um The first one, how is it going to help your business get more money? Uh Essentially, it's inefficiencies and in, and in, in, helping uncover areas of either wasted spend or uh, lack of efficiency, where maybe we can help build a a process that leverages technology to eliminate manual steps in a process, automate functions so that we can put time back into your employees' day so that they're able to deliver more with the same, or your business, rather, is able to deliver more with the same internal resources without Overburdening your staff, the goal is not to burn out staff, it's just to like leverage technology machines AI automation to do the things that humans aren't necessarily needed for. They've just been we can do it right like data entry and bringing data moving data between systems. We can do it. It's just not efficient to have a human do that when a process an automation can do that uh, because it, a gets done quicker. It's more reliable, it doesn't take breaks, sick days, whatever. But B, the the component of human error is removed from that equation. So you're not having errors with shipping orders and things like that when you're translating data from one system to another manually. So that's where we see, or I see anyways, a lot of chance for increasing revenue for a business. It's not about just, you're not going to bring in an MSP or an IT provider and they're just going to say, okay, now you've got 10% more revenue, go. It, it doesn't work that way, but by bringing efficiencies, we effectively unlock opportunity for the business to go win more business without having to bring on additional spend.
0: Definitely, I think another point of that, you know, just besides you know AI and automation freeing up people's time, but essentially, you know, having a, a set provider, you know, allows a business owner to focus on their business. At the end of the day, I mean, they get into a business because they they find something that you know they're really good at. And they decide that they can, you know, they get clients and they, they form the business and whatever else the case may be. They may be an expert in what they do, whether it be, you know, manufacturing tools or, you know, being a life coach or whatever else the case. There's so many different things that you can do, but mm-hmm. most business owners aren't IT professionals. They don't know how to, you know, fix computers or code or anything like that. So, you know, that's something that they can delegate.
1: About- yeah. Like I, I I can't code myself out of what paper bag and, and the this day like I'm no longer in the trenches fixing computer issues or, or technology issues anymore. Most of my day is spent working on process automation, uh having conversations with business owners and, and our clients to look at how can we help them, what's what's on their roadmap, uh making sure we're in alignment uh, and strategy, uh, and and looking at ways of improving our deliverable to our client without increasing their cost. That's a perfect example. I own an IT business, and I don't work in the traditional IT of fixing computers and keeping networks secure. That's why we've got a team for that. Sure. Definitely.
0: Yep. It allows business owners to focus on, at the end of the day, what they do best. So really interesting things to hear. I mean, I was really surprised myself about 60% 60% of businesses needing managed IT providers and the way the IT industry is growing. I guess the only other thing, last topic, kind of a meat and potatoes topic too. I think a big reason for that, other than all the things that we talked about, is from a security standpoint. You know, that's that's probably one of the number one driving factors. If you're a small business, cybersecurity is important. Attacks are increasing by about 400% year over year, just, just last year. When it came to businesses getting hit by a ransomware attack, I've had conversations with other business owners or you know stakeholders that have been victims of a cyber attack. So can you talk to me a few things that we do specifically to help our clients getting or prevent from you know being breached from a cyber attack?
1: Sure. And to move this from the theoretical, let's stop a breach from happening, or the potential for a breach, one of the things that's actually happening right now, even... Removed from breaches themselves is like as a business owner we 've got a bunch of different insurance policies for different coverage reasons and all that, one of which is a cyber insurance policy now, speaking as from one owner to another, go talk to your your carrier for your cyber insurance policy and ask them what like what when you 're up for renewal, I can pretty much guarantee you they 're going to have a whole new slew of requirements that your business is going to have to meet in order for them to c- keep you as a client, and that's even starting to spread beyond the cyber policies and into just like general liability and E&O policies, uh, because insurance carriers are paying out left and right because small businesses aren't taking the necessary steps or working with proper uh, providers, the proper MSPs, MSSPs, to secure their environments in such a way that it's considered at least an industry standard approach to security today. Um, So that one, that's just a reality that's happening to a lot of businesses these days, where they're getting told you've got X number of months to either get all this infrastructure and this approach in place, or we're dropping you from your policy. And just thinking about the risk that that puts the business in uh, from a contracting standpoint, where most contracts require certain insurance coverages in order for the contract to stay valid. Uh, but moving to what we do specifically, I mean, not to get super technical, but we're just like any other MSP where we're, we're going to use a layered approach or any other good MSP, I should say, where we use a layered approach to security. So we, we use like edge firewalls at the business location. Uh, if they're fully remote, then there's no edge firewall to put in place. Um, uh, we, we take a zero trust approach to securing devices. Uh, what that means at a high level is, even if it's a company owned device and it's a comp, it's running company owned and approved, uh, security software like antivirus or EDR, MDR type stuff, we still consider that device suspect. And, un- and so only what is necessary to communicate to and from that device to any other company device or asset is allowed. It's basically a, we deny the communication first and we allow what is known to be needed between devices. So that if something were to slip through the edge, if something were to slip through the security, the antivirus product on the the company device, it's not just a free for all like, hey, I got through the door, now I have a full run of the castle type of approach. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, with just how how hot the temperature has gotten is the best way I can describe it with regards to cyber threats and security we work with uh, what's called an MSSP, uh, Managed uh, Security Service Provider, a Managed Service Security Provider. Basically, they're just like um, a managed service provider, like us to a small business, but they partner with MSPs to provide specific and discrete cybersecurity expertise. And so behind us, we've got a team of over 20 staff at the MSSP that we've partnered with that's building out Vetting the approaches and bring those approaches to secure our clients' environments. And above them, they partner with what are called SOC teams and uh, uh, basically security operation centers that are staffed globally by companies like Sentinel One, which is like arguably the market leader of cybersecurity right now. Uh, so they're leveraging some of the best of the best of the best in the industry teams to help Build these policies, so it's not just John's computer repair down the street, and he goes, "Okay, I'm going to install antivirus, and I check the box that says block malware." No, like the days of being able to do that are long gone. Uh, it's now being tuned, being monitored. You need to look. The threats are evolving so frequently that you need eyes on what's happening 24/7 to understand and to be able to react quickly. To changes in the threat landscape.
0: Definitely, I mean, obviously, technology has gotten a lot more complex, but you know, hacking has gotten a lot more complex. And then with the barriers to technology, the barriers, you know, being lower, the barriers to hacking are also much, much lower. We went into really a lot of detail on this topic in episode one. If you guys want to check that out, the title is called "Hacking is Easier Than You Think," where we dive a little bit more deeper into that. Feel free to check out that episode. But other than that. Thank you guys for tuning in. This concludes episode 11. We'll see you guys next week.